All right, we're going to try this again. We, uh, I shouldn't say we, I uh, couldn't figure out the audio issue. Um, so we'll just, we'll just do it the old school way and try it again. So Dave was introducing himself. I'll let him go back and do that again. And uh, <laughs> we'll try, we'll see if we can do a little bit better this time, Dave. Sorry about that. Sure, I guess I'll start again. So we were just talking about our journeys to libertarianism, our background and the party and maybe the philosophy. So um, in my case, I joined the Libertarian Party in 2004. Um, Basically, it was stumbling upon libertarian philosophers after kind of going down a rabbit hole into classic liberal uh, experts and aficionados like John Locke, Algernon Sidney, David Hume, etc. Led me down the path to the rabbit hole that is libertarianism, Friedrich von Hayek, Murray Rothbard. Hans Hermann Hoppe and other um, libertarian philosophers, and a guy named Ron Paul really uh, was a big influence on me in 2004 as well. But I've been in three different state parties: uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Tennessee. Although there was an interregnum, at which point I was not in the party, but I rejoined several years later. Um, moved to Tennessee two and a half years ago. I'm particularly interested in libertarian education and messaging. Definitely want to. Um, improve upon it here in the state of Tennessee and work with others to bring that to fruition. Um, My total zeal in life is for libertarian education. So just wanted to thank the board for their confidence in me and uh, look forward to the role. All right, Darius Sexton. Um, Yeah. um, I first found out about libertarianism in like 2003 ish when I went on a rant uh, in a college dorm room about uh, how we, you know, as much as inten- or as good as our intentions may be, legislating morality is never going to be a thing because it does nobody any good. Um, and ultimately, I had somebody go, well, you sound like a libertarian. So I figured, you know, I, I researched it and I was like, well, that's because I am a libertarian. Um, and so I never really got politically active at all, though I started calling my libert- myself a libertarian at that time. Um, I didn't actually get involved in the party um, until... Um, 2016 with uh, or 2012 Gary Johnson's first um, run um, and that's what uh, it's a lot of things were happening I was getting obviously getting a little older at that time I was really paying attention to politics rather than just kind of being aloof and then I was also transitioning out of the military at that time too so um, I was able to be a little bit more active um, in that um, and then really got into the state party um, about 2016 when um, I was the treasurer for the Shelby County um, Libertarian Party and then the next year was elected treasurer of the state party here in Tennessee, um, which I only held for about eight months um, when some shuffles happened and I was moved into the vice chair role, which I just recently um, vacated um, with this and wanting to maintain, you know, it was, it was time for fresh ideas, new people coming in. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of self, uh, initiated term limits. And, uh, so I decided not to run. Um, I was originally going to run for chair, but I have full faith in Dave. Um, and just decided, you know, I didn't have the energy or the time to devote what I knew needed to be. And Dave was ready to do it. So, decided not to run uh dave jones that is i know there's too many daves now in the party there's a there's a secret uh takeover for uh the the libertarian party of tennessee to be fully run by daves in the next four years um but the dave uh, caucus 
the Dave Caucus. But um, uh, ultimately, yeah, uh, I wanted to stay involved, and uh, I got a little taste of the fundraising with uh, the, this past uh, gala that we did, the the poker night we put together, and uh, we were able to raise, you know, a, a good bit of money for the party, and decided that, you know, maybe if uh, if the board saw fit, that would be where I would stay on, and uh, and still continue to help the state party. So looking forward to get it going and uh, that's where we are today yes yeah, so uh both of you had a lot of really you know good support as far as your positions where you're at um i don't know um what all we're wanting to say but i know that the communications position was heavily contested um there's a lot of people uh, put in for that one specifically, but I do know, you know, both of you had a lot of support from a lot of people as far as, um, being put into the positions you're in. Um, you know, Sexton, I know you, uh, your, you know, your big support, you know, specific, uh, most recently was that the gala event, you know, and how, you know, well it did and how a lot you know basically you know the two big things was it brought in money and people had a damn good time i remember you know um people's wandering around nobody's looking bored you know everybody's just having a good time hanging out and you know enjoying themselves and that's really you know one of the big parts of all that you know being put on is making sure that you know people want to come out to these things you know that People don't want to come out and spend money on something if they're going to be bored. You know, people had a good time. You know, there was food there, you know, and, you know, there's stuff to do. Spike Cohen showed up and, you know, or I should say uh, Tasha's spouse. Um, so get it right. Yeah, I got to make sure I get it right. Uh, so, uh, And then Dave, you know, you're uh, Dave Brennan, your, you know, your experience within the party over the last few years is, you know, we really spoke for itself to a lot of people and, you know, you're active and I mean, everywhere I look, your, your daggone name shows up for things. So um, I think, you know, both, both of you individuals, you know, belong in the position that you're in and um, we're going to do some good work. So um, I was just going to, one thing I did want to kind of touch on is, uh, you know, is there anything, either one of you had anything that you wanted to discuss as far as, you know, plans for the future? I know it's still early and it's still within a week of being here, but I didn't know if there's any grandioso plans that y'all might've had or something, you know, any ideas or anything like that? Um, as far as, uh, you know, fundraising and things like that, uh, I want to do some more things, uh, you know, the, the gala was extremely successful. I know in the past, I've been involved in every single one of them since 2017 on the planning side of it in some aspect because, um, you know, I've been, you know, part of the board basically um, since 2017. But um, this year we decided, you know, it's, it was kind of more of a dinner, the traditional gala, everybody dressed up. I do do think that there is a, um, a space for that and there's an, a time to get those dinners out and get, you know, some speakers in. But you know, everybody was cooped up with COVID the last year and they were ready to get out. And I didn't want them, I didn't want to have to set through speakers, you know, or, or this fancy plate of dinner. It was like, I wanted people to be able to interact and have a time. So that's the reason the, it was originally going to be a full on casino night, but um, due to the weather that we had before and some other um, constraints, we decided to just go with the poker. That's what most people were coming to do anyway. And, and, and it worked well. So I'm looking forward to doing some more things like that. Um, and then also, you know, do some more traditional, um, 
you know, dinner type situations too. Uh, you know, I think there's an appetite for both. Um, and I'd like to see us do something similar like that regionally more often rather than just waiting once a year to do things like that. And then, um, you know, I've got some other ideas uh, on the national, I'm the region two alternate for the national committee, which consists of us, uh, Georgia and Florida. And in that role, I am also on um, the chair's advisory committee for um, party development, which also deals with a lot of fundraising and things like that. And then um, also on the convention oversight committee for national convention. So I'm, I'm you know, I'm scraping uh, all the good ideas and, and going to steal them and bring them back for the state fundraising as well. Um, it's going to be a little slow getting into it um, over the next couple. I'm, I'm really busy until about June. Uh, uh, if you can't tell from behind me, like we're selling this house and, buy, and purchasing another one. And we just sold another property that we had. So it's it's been a pretty hectic, like two or three months for me here lately. But hopefully by June, um, my living, living situation will be more evened out. And I'll go full board back into um, really looking into fundraising for the state. So um, looking forward to it. Yeah, I guess I will uh, go follow that. So for uh, the communications committee, I want to focus on both internal and external messaging. Um, really, it's my, my vision really centers upon and prioritizes social media. And what I'd like to do is find out aficionados within the state that have expertise in individual platforms that I don't. I feel fairly comfortable on Twitter and Facebook and we'll recruit a team to help me out in that regard, but we want to do things like tweet campaigns to focus on the two to three top libertarian issues and, you know, a two week given period. Um, really want to do um, scheduled tweets um, that can apply to almost all, all time frames and would attract people to join the party and things such as that. So um, for internal communication, it's kind of a different dynamic entirely. And this would be a little bit tangential, I think, to the role. But one thing I'd like to look into is ways to make, you know, a state level podcast, even if it's not like a formal one. Um, there are people in the party that have experience in that and interest in that. So I hope they don't mind me saying their names. But I do want to reach out to people like uh, Keith Nolan and Jack Warren about their expertise in those realms as well. The last thing I'll say is, uh, well, last two things. Um, one of the last things is that um, I think that there's crossover between me and Dave's committees as well. So I'd like to try to maybe work with Dave on how to message for fundraising. And that could be an opportunity for the both of us to expand. Um, and then the last thing is personally, I've taken a lot of interest in uh, the big old book, uh, Robert's Rules of Order. So I want to maybe do some uh, parliamentary procedural uh, seminars that are super laid back, informative, because um, the convention is one thing, but we run um, our affiliates and our business based on that system. Um, so that's an opportunity we have internal to the state to develop our existing membership. So sorry if that was long-winded, but that's uh, that's where I'd like to go. Yeah, um, and I, I totally agree with you on that um, about ours overlapping quite a bit. Um, I guess also, I guess one, one committee I left off that I'm involved with on the National Party is the APRC, which we don't write any of the copy that gets emailed out but we are the ones proofing it and, you know, communications and, and fundraising are, are extremely, you know, the more, the better we get on messaging and getting that out there, the better we get on that little donate link when people um, you know, donate. And it's funny to me when, when I first got active, really active in the party around 2016, 
you know, one, one of my weak points, I hated asking people for money. It still kind of feels dirty, but you know, it's funny how much can change in five years because now, you know, it's like right after hello, it's like, what do you got in your pockets? So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, but you know, it takes that, it takes that to the, the, the duopoly has a very large war chest and we have to do, um, we have to do a lot with a little most times. And so, you know, with the, every little bit goes a long way here with us because our budget is small to begin with. So I'm looking forward to growing that and, and, and communications will be a big part of that. Yeah, it, it definitely does come down to, you know, <clears throat> and I, I'll say the big thing is, is making sure people understand why it is, you know, these funds are needed. And I think that is a big part of why the crossover is important between the two of you. Um, you know, communications has to say, hey, we're looking to do this. You know, if you're interested in helping us do this, you know, we're holding an event, you know, to raise money to fight against this. And, you know, that's that's kind of the, the key thing is, um, you know, making sure the understanding of where these funds are going is there. You know, we can say, hey, we need money. And they'll be like, well, why? Well, we want to do this, this, and this. And they're like, yeah, I've got like five bucks. That's not going to help you. So, you know, breaking it down and making sure people understand what it is these specific funds are going to does, in a lot of ways, it does matter. Because if you do look, you know, at Republicans and Democrats, they are very efficient about making sure that you understand that they want money for this specific thing. It's it, it's the most minute thing. Like, hey, you know, we want money for this. It's this one little line item, but it's, you know, this is what it's going to. And, and so, you know, they've got to be able to get the message out. And then they've also got to be able to, um, uh, you know, bring the funds in. So I think, you know, we are in a good situation too, where we can have more informal stuff and have a lot more fun than the duopoly can because, you know, we don't really, you know, necessarily need to look like, you know, oh, we're, we're out here to, to, uh, you know, we got to beat these evil Democrats. We got to beat these evil Republicans. And we're like, yeah, you're both idiots. We just want to beat both of y'all. We don't think, you know, we're going <sighs> to, I guess the wordage I should use is we're not looking to, beat just one team we're looking to change the game if that makes sense so right yeah i mean i think uh um an unfair uh criticism we seem to get from uh other people and even um, independents that are swayed one way or the other is that we're spoilers you know oh you're gonna spoil the election well hell yeah that's the purpose we want to spoil it for both of you we want to win you know unfortunately we haven't um gotten too many on a, on a grander scale but I mean, that's what we're pushing for. We're in a great position. Uh, it's, you know, the left's getting further left, the right's getting further right. And here we are, you know, just going, I don't care what side of the left right spectrum you're on, just leave me the hell alone. And I think that's becoming more and more pe people are getting very sick of, um, of how extreme the extremes are getting. And um, we just need to capitalize on that. And that's going to, again, be a, a communication, communicating who we are. And I liked what he said about education because. Um, you know, that ed educated, like, you know, the majority of people don't even know who we are They're You know, like what was this? Most people will tell you that, you know, the majority of people are libertarian. They just don't know it. Yet. And so that communication and that education is going to be huge on letting them know we're here and letting them know that, you know, their principles align with us. They don't, we don't, we don't, we're not changing to meet them. They don't have to change to meet us. It's a, 
you know, it's a very simple uh, rejection of initiation of force, uh, force, and and then um, you know, not um, not 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 hurting people and taking their stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, it's go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I agree. We are the true third way. And there's a lot of homeless, political homeless out there right now. And even though we're only a few months removed from the last presidential election, I guarantee a lot of the votes coming down for either Biden or Trump were mostly, uh, were many of which were dispassionate or reluctant even. And there's so many more people out there that didn't vote and are worried that you know, no one really truly represents our views. I think, think especially in the age of COVID, there are so many, there's so much low hanging fruit that we can attract to the party right now. Yeah, I yeah think- so I mean, everybody does understand that you know a third party is needed, and they pretend like there's only two parties currently. You know, after Trump lost in 2020, and you know there's this there's big outcry for him to start his own party. I'm like, well, you know we don't want him here, but there is a third option. You just either A, refuse to accept that we're a third option, or B, you know, we're, we're not getting any national coverage because they understand that the two-party system is so fundamentally broken at basically to the core. They don't, they don't want to cover it because you, you see these, you know, millionaire politicians who are, you know, telling, you know, people who are make you know, barely making it by that, oh, we're with you and not coming up with any feasible solutions. They understand that it doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on, left or right. If people see oh, there's a third option that says, hey, the government's broken and you are the only one who knows how to live your own life. They understand. They 100%. They understand clearly that that will destroy the game. You know, basically people pull their pieces off the board and go home. So. Right. And I mean, part of that, again, is, uh, you know, communications, letting them know that we're here. Um, uh, And then, you know, I wish, you know, we had the other two here that, you know, the the other two directors, because I mean, they're going to go hand in hand with what we're doing as well. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of overlap between all of us. We're going to be working really close, closely together because, you know what I mean? Like we can't, we're not at a size uh, or a, you know, cash flow to really influence nationally but what we can do here in the state of tennessee is run people in these communities where there are people that are disenfranchised that may not know that we even exist and if we start popping up on ballots i think we're going to see that we're going to get a lot more um you know a lot more pedigree of winning winning to parlay into those bigger races and i think that's what it takes so you know, uh, that's one thing that we've always tried to do with the previous board I was on, the previous two boards I was on, um, you know, focus, not let the national drama, like, cloud what we're doing here. Realize that, you know, re- regardless of where you are and what national's doing or whatever, our focus here is Tennessee and getting Tennessee elected and making some positive change for individuals in Tennessee. And, you know, that's, that's what we're going to be doing here. Um, is letting them know that, hey, there's a Libertarian Party in Tennessee, and we're we're coming on your ballots. One hundred percent. I think the big issue that we have is people don't understand what it is we stand for. You know, the left they'll say, oh, well, they want you know they're just Republicans that like weed, and then on the right they're like, oh, you're 
your hippies that like guns, you know, it, it's a meme that, you know, we throw around as a joke, but it is, it is pretty much true. People don't understand what it is we stand for as a party. And that's why, you know, getting the messaging out there will be important. And when people start to understand what we're standing for, and then we can say, Hey, you know, uh, we don't hate cops as an individual, but you know, there are bad actors in policing, you know, the entire state of policing right now is in, it's basically a dumpster fire. It, it's just every aspect of it just seems like it's the worst it could have possibly been built. And we want to fix this. We want to hold people responsibly, you know, personally responsible for their individual actions. You know, you, you don't want to go after, you know, necessarily individuals who are enforcing, you know, laws, whether we agree with them or not, who aren't these individuals who are holding the knee, you know, putting their knee on the neck of someone or shooting someone with their hands up or it, it, it's, it, it's stuff like that, that we're, you know, communication is important. And then, you know, making sure that we have the funds in order to enact on pushing those policies, you know, making sure that, you know, we have the money to run these large campaigns where we can say, Hey, you know, we want to stop this. Or, you know, do you agree that, you know, you shouldn't be worried about leaving your house and getting shot because your tag lights out, you know, and people say, Oh, that's crazy, but that, that's shit that happens in this country anymore. And so it's, it, I think both of you gentlemen will have a lot of hard work ahead of you, but I think it's good work that does need to be done. Yeah, I'll just add to that. I think both parties to an extent are going through something of an internal identity crisis, especially the Republicans in the wake of uh, uh, Biden's ascension to the presidency. I don't think that a lot of the Republican operatives and establishment knows how to brand themselves essentially going forward. And the same thing on the Democrat side. I mean, they're seeing Biden do things like continue building the wall and, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, some of the Bernie bros on that side just despise Biden. So there's a real opportunity here to drive our messaging through the statement of principles, you know, individual liberty, non-aggression, private property rights, and uh, self-ownership. And that, that radical manifesto that is the platform, it's bold and inspiring. I mean, that would could turn some people off, but a lot of people are turned on by bold and inspiring uh, messaging that's embodied by the platform in an age where you know, no one really will stand up for philosophical consistency the way that libertarians will. We are sitting on a massively moral, uh, political, and ideological philosophy here, and we shouldn't take it lightly. There's big opportunities for us. So, David Sexton, I did have a question for you. Uh, are there any ideas that you currently have for, you know, no uh, nothing will be held against you, but it, it, do you have any ideas on like events you would like to have? Like, you know, anything in particular that you're looking to do on the state level, like events um, and stuff like that? I'll tell you one thing that um, I am, you know, it's obviously in the very early uh, stages in my brain. I haven't really thought out the particulars yet, but one thing that I definitely want to do is do some sort of fundraising um dinner party, something like that. And each region, um, where we have speakers come and talk about ballot access and about signature gathering, because those are two of the most important hurdles that we face here in Tennessee, especially if we want to run as a libertarian, 
we're, we're going to um, need ballot access and you're going to need to petition for signatures for both that and to get yourself on the ballot. Um, so, I mean, we've tried statewide ballot access a couple times and, um, you know, even with all the hard work, just didn't work out. Um, and they're not going to play ball with us at the, at, in Nashville when it comes to statewide ballot access. But in some of these smaller counties, you know, it might only take a couple hundred signatures to be recognized as an L and we can get that, you know, if the entire party comes together in these winnable counties and gets those signatures and has somebody to run in those positions, then, um, then we can, you know, actually get recognized in those counties and run people as L's and not have to run as independent. And I think that's a very, um, I think that's a very important thing that we start transitioning to rather than focusing statewide, focusing on those areas. And I want to get some fundraising in that, in those areas for those signatures, but then also some training on the best way. Cause you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they don't want to walk up to somebody and get a signature, but you, you find out that it's, once you get, once you get, uh, you know, a couple under your belt, start asking, you know, nose don't hurt, you know, like the whistlers are going to do tell you, no, they're not going to sign it. Okay. Move on, move on to the next person. You know what I mean? Like it, it becomes, um, easier and easier every time you try it. And so like, I definitely want to get some, 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 uh, some training on that, but then also, um, some fundraising on the back end because, um, you know, there are paid petitioners that we can bring in too. Um, and so like, that's just one idea that I have, uh, that I've been, you know, um, mulling over and trying to figure out the best way to get it. But I do have some people in mind, um, that, you know, are, are authorities on ballot access and signature gathering. So, um, so I would say that ballot access should be a, theoretically, it should be a, a fairly easy fight to win because if you ask average people, Hey, you know, do you think it sounds you know, reasonable that Republicans, in order to run for a state office, only need 15 signatures, and Democrats only need 15 signatures. But any other party requires, you know, 15,000 plus signatures. And everybody who looks at you goes, that's that's not a real thing. And then you show them the law, and they're like, yeah. So yeah, what the, what the hell is this? That number is like 56,843, I think, or 53. Like, I can't remember the exact number, but statewide, because we had such a 56,000, yeah. Yeah, we had such a huge turnout for governor this year because there was no incumbent, you know. And, uh, you know, the year before that, it more than doubled what we were going to have to do as far as signatures are concerned. I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, that's, that is undoable. And we have tried to get legislation passed and it gets kicked around and kicked out. I mean, well, we're not going to get any help from Nashville and, and, you know, either no matter how much we think we can talk to legislators on that, it's not going to happen. We're just going to have to push through and get some people in those positions to, before we can actually, you know, expect anybody to do anything um, at the Capitol. Um, but, you know, it's not hard. Most people are, even if they're not libertarians, even if they're, you know, oh, I'm a Republican. He's like, look, it's not a vote for me. It's not an endorsement. It's just saying you don't mind seeing my name with an L behind it. That's all. That's it. That's all you got to do. And most people are all, oh, well, hell, I'll sign that and I'll go ahead and sign it. Um, you know, I had one lady one time. She was like, she was like, so what do you have to run as now? And I was like, we have to run as an independent. She was like, well, why don't you just run as an independent? I was like, I was like, well, I'll tell you, what's your name? And she was like, uh, she was like, Melissa. And I was like, well, then why don't I just call you Karen? We're not independent. We're libertarian. We have a name. Why are you not letting us use our name? And that was, 
you know, and she immediately like was like, yeah, you got a point, sign my paper. You know what I mean? Like it's you, sometimes you have to explain to people because, you know, they just don't know. And honestly, they just don't care. But it, a lot of times if you, if, you know, getting that FaceTime and explaining to them how stupid and terrible the laws are as far as um, equal playing fields for all parties, um, you know, it, it'll raise eyebrows and you'll usually get signatures from people that would never vote for us, but know that, you know, it should be fair. Yeah. yeah. I agree. If there's consensus for anything among the state uh, governors, it is that there is a mutual uh, consensus on suppressing third parties and not paving the way for our elevation. That's for damn sure. So, yeah, and like I said, a lot of people agree that you know it should be more fair. Um, And I've talked to people that you know are on both sides of the aisle, and they're like. And, you know, they'll, they'll make that argument as, you know, Ms. Sexton was talking about. He he, he said, you know, well, why don't you just run as an independent? Okay, well, why don't Republicans and Democrats both run as independents? You know, why why don't we just, why does nobody run with a party? And then they said, well, you know, I want to know who I'm voting for. I said, okay, you care more about the party then. But with that being said, you know, we have people that are wanting to vote for our party. So are you saying that the system should be, set up in a way that benefits your party over another like well no that's that's all we're asking for we're asking for equal access at the ballot box that's really what it is i mean you know all this talk about you know uh voter suppression this and that but they refuse to talk about you know what really would be you know in, in a lot of ways vote or you know election suppression would be you know having that l beside you know a uh, Candace name you know you don't see any conversation on that because they understand that well the system's rigged in their favor so they don't care for both of them and as um, oh I can't remember his name Johnny Shaw uh, Johnny Shaw said you know I don't want people taking votes away from your party or my party so we shouldn't vote for this that's that's not verbatim what he said but it was that's the the primary gist of it and um, I think most Americans don't trust the system enough to be okay well we don't need a third party we only need you know these two parties that have been running this country into the ground for the last hundred years so I do I do I do like the idea that of having um, a like a dinner or something on ballot access in all the regions because I think we could actually draw a lot of non-libertarians in and, you know, start off with, you know, the ballot access thing, you know, and touch on some other stuff here and there, you know, because usually it'll, that does dive into certain other issues. But um, I do think that is a good way to bring in a new members and be, you know, revenue for these causes, you know, like ballot access, you know, that's, that to me should be the easiest push between, um, that should be the most centrist idea between the two parties is, making sure that everybody who puts their name on a ballot has the ability to have whatever initial or symbol beside their name. So, yeah, I'll just uh, say that the Green like Party that. and the Democratic Socialists would be totally on board with that. So, you know, there are <laughs> ways to have, build coalitions with even people that would disagree philosophically on many things. And we could talk about ending the drug war at the same time with some of those people. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say that will be that's a very hard push in my region. I 
mm-hmm. I make that argument all the time. It's it's like fighting uphill in the mud while it's snowing with handcuffs around your ankles. So in this state, especially, a, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that's that's where communication comes in. You know, making uh, not making uh, making sure I guess making sure uh, people understand that. Uh, or at least, you know, making sure there's an option for people to understand that, you know, the drug war is not benefiting them. You know, Democrats say that they want the drug war to end, and then will vote in people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who are the two worst proponents for ending the drug war. These are people that basically armed people to fight the drug war. And then Republicans will say, oh, well, drugs are bad. But then, you know, we'll say, oh, well, we need to reduce spending. But we'll absolutely spend more money on policing and prisons and whatnot to fight the drug war. And it's right. <laughs> I, I think the funny thing is, is like the amount of people that will still vote for either one of them um, when they've been running on the exact same promises for thirty years. You know, uh, you know, they, they'll tell you like, you know, Republicans will run on security. They're coming to take your things. We're not going to let them take your things. And then. Uh, Democrats will run on equality and helping the poor. And if if the Democrats actually helped the poor to where the poor weren't didn't exist anymore, they would lose their voting base. And the same with the Republicans. If they actually were protected and made people feel secure, they wouldn't have anybody to scare into voting for them. And so, like they're in a business, like it's incentivized to not do what they're promising, so that they can promise it again the next year because nobody holds them accountable to the damn promises. And it's you know it's frustrating beyond no. Um, you know, fathomable words to like, even now, like I'm just sitting here, how, how do they keep (laughs) voting for these people when they're promising the exact same things and never delivering? At what point do people go, you know what, fuck it, let's try something else. Yeah, I I mean, you look at Joe Biden, his entire campaign was, I am the anti-Trump. I am not Chester Cheetah, orange bad man, but yet his DHS is still building the border wall. They openly made a statement about oh we're too busy to to uh you know free people from prison who are doing time for simple weed possession you know or they'll say something like oh you know we we want to let everybody in and then you know you're you're seeing you know tons and tons of people flood the border but they're still being sent home the exact same way they were under trump they're still using the same era policies and it's it's like people you know, they, I think, I think really what it is is they attach themselves personally to the, the politician that they vote for. And so if they admit that their politician that they voted for is wrong, they have to admit they're wrong or they were wrong about something. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, being wrong about something is like, you know, it's, you might as well stone them in uh, town square. It's, you can be wrong about stuff. That's fine. But don't make excuses for somebody who doesn't even know your name and doesn't give a shit whether you live or die tomorrow. Right. And, and I think a lot of it, too, is like the, the false notion that, you know, the duopoly has done such a good job of convincing that they're the only two, you know, feasible options that, like, as soon as you criticize one, you're immediately must be in the other camp. You know what I mean? Like, if I talk about how terrible Trump was, all of a sudden they're like, oh, you're so, you, you know, you're all for Biden. No. 
They can both be terrible. It's not mutually exclusive. In fact, they are both terrible. But the fact is, is when Trump was in office, he was the one that was in control. So he's the one I'm complaining about. So now Biden's here. I'm going to go right back into complaining complaining about the exact same things that he's doing that Trump did that all of a sudden was cool that he Trump was doing it. And Democrats hated it and Republicans loved it. And now Biden's going to do the exact same shit and it's going to flip flop. And, you know, you know, I almost, you know, I almost for the social pleasure of it would have loved to see Trump win so that immediately the Democrats would have flipped on the, uh, oh, it was fraud. It was rigged. You know, whoever was going to lose was going to claim that fraud. It just so happened that Trump was the one that lost. And so he, he still pushed that narrative of, you know, and I can guarantee there was voter fraud. I can guarantee the voter fraud. What you can't guarantee is what side did more of it. So, yeah. So actually that two things there were actually interesting. So I just read an article. I want to say it's from the Washington post and it was from like two or three days ago talking about Russian interference in 2020. And I'm like, Y'all ran an article talking about how clean the election was and how there was no voter fraud. There was zero voter fraud. I'm like, that seems like bullshit to me. It's a little bit selective sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so and it's selectively applied. Yeah, so like the Andrew Cuomo stuff. Yeah, I'm sure just now they're just now feeling like, oh, this is important now. It's always been important. Sexual harassment and rape is always important. It's just to them, it's political timing. But as far as like election fraud or meddling or whatever you want to call it we have evidence that it happens every single time there's an election, but there's to, to my personal research, I've never seen enough quantitative data that says that, Hey, this would have swayed a presidential election. Now you may see it on like, you know, local levels, like, you know, County commissioner or, you know, city council, stuff like that, you know, cause that's, Typically, you see a very low turnout for those, especially if it's in, you know, not a, uh, on the uh, a primary ballot, you know, where they're voting for senators or uh, congressional members or whatever. So you'll you'll definitely see, you know, people doing some really shady stuff in uh, in off elections like Kingsport. Here we've got uh, a couple of you know bigly, uh, not bigly. Um, <laughs> It's usually contested races. Yeah, I'm, I'm stupid. I can't speak the, the English. Well, um, Trump so bigly came out. So what? Was, there was a there was the you know the the bigly joke uh, of Trump. Like that's what that reminded me of. So that's what we, that's what oh, you yeah. have. People have been complaining about election fraud since the beginnings of the Republic. People said that in 1800, Thomas Jefferson did not win the presidency and New Englanders, you know, were riled to support secession because of it. So this has been a longstanding thing in U.S. politics. And you're right. I don't think that we can all be privy to the extent of it, especially having a limited sample size in front of our own eyes. So you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like guaranteed guaranteed voter fraud happened on what level who knows and and which side did more of it you know who knows i like they're both frauding so there's they're both so fraudulent that you can't you 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 know you can't say who did more of it so it's probably probably about even so whoever wins you know in that situation as long as it's not a third party they don't really care yeah sure they they, support but you know that that's speaking of my job as fundraising that's what they do for fundraising they spurn up all that crap and, 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 you know, 
uh, and flip over the muck and, and, and smucks pay for it. You know, yeah, they're geniuses at marketing that. Yes. Well, see, speaking of geniuses at marketing, uh, this, I was actually speaking to a lot of people about this recently. And uh, I don't know if y'all seen, but the Trump campaign, one of the last fundraising things that they've done, uh, I, actually, I don't know how long they've been doing it, but they call it um, dark, uh, or it, based, uh, it's, 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 got an, it's got some technical name, dark something or other, but basically people were thinking they were giving a one-time donation. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Further, yeah. Yeah, further on down, it was checked for a recurring donation. So it didn't matter what they clicked as long as if they didn't uncheck the, the recurring donation box. So he asked for like $150 or something <laughs> to donate more, but like the monthly check was automatically checked and you had to go and it didn't mention that anywhere. So yeah, I do. Like I heard that on the radio as well. Like the other day, I'd forgotten about that. Like completely, I mean dishonest as hell yeah you know what i mean like you're 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 double charging or you know because i mean how long you know it might take a month or two before somebody figures that out and what are they going to do you know i mean it's completely dishonest but you know they don't care it works like it brings in money they do it yeah so i think so the argument i've always heard and i kind of do agree with it is the people should have been willing to look through what they were because pretty much you're signing a document, you know, you're signing a contract saying, Hey, I'm giving you money. We agree to the terms of services. You should be willing to look through the terms of service and say, Hey, this box is checked. I don't want to give more than what I'm giving today and uncheck it. But with that being said, they knew damn well that people were not going to go through and read that people don't read the terms of service for anything. South park, South Park did an episode on that where ba- I can't remember how the episode goes, but it was like a terms of service episode where like they signed away their firstborn kid when they bought an iPhone and then they bought a computer and they had to give away their house. It, it, it's a joke, but I, I do think this, it, it's, it's shady as shit because you know, people are not going to read it. So, you know, you're going to get more money out of it. Number one, but it should be a wake up call for people to, you know, at least even if you're not going to read it, look through, slowly you know kind of what's on there you know if you see some stuff check like i should check that out see what this is about yeah but i mean how many people had you know how many people that that support trump see that and then make excuses for it um you know but would you know crucify anybody else to do like that's the thing that gets me so hard is Mm -hmm. the, the cognitive dissonance of of saying you stand for one thing unless it's your you know party or your person doing it and then all of a sudden it's blind eyes, you know, underneath the rug or, or yeah, I don't know. The, the mental gymnastics it takes to be a Democrat or Republican must be exhausting. Yeah. It, it's, you've got to be, you've got to be like big brain, two billion IQ to, to figure out the crumbs in, in the forest here for Hansel and Gretel and on to, you know, explain why they make sense, you know, lying and cheating and stealing the way they do and try and make it sound like, you know, it's not corrupt as shit. Like, you know, like basically Kamala Harris, as I said earlier, you know, she basically come out and said, we're too busy to come up with arcane pain promise of pardoning, you know, all these people for drug possession. So get bent. I, I mean, that's just, that's what it came down to. And it, and yeah, so a lot of Republicans will make excuses for Trump and say, oh, well, uh, that's that's our fault for not reading through. 
but yeah, can you can you accept the fact that the fact that he was doing it or his campaign was doing it in the first place? I can't say that he did it because I don't feel like the dude's technically smart enough to figure that out. I think he knows how to log into Twitter, say something stupid, and log off. That's about I think that's about as far as his technical knowledge goes. But the fact that it happened, and at some point in time, you know. The, 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 I mean, I don't see an excuse why it makes sense, why it's not a corrupt thing and it's not an immoral act, why right. it's not basically taking advantage of people's emotions. Right. You know, there, there's a, you know, I called it dishonest and, and, and that's technically probably not fair because, I mean, there's nothing necessarily that's like outwardly dishonest or lying about it, but it's 100% unethical. You knew what you were doing when you did that. But again, like you said, he's, you know, what Trump does is surround himself with people like he's smart enough to surround himself with people that'll do that, but then are far enough beneath him that there's plausible deniability. And they see if there's backlash, oh, they're fired. I did what I needed to do. I can't believe they did that. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Knowing he was, you know, I mean, he was full aware the entire time. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's what these people do. And, and Trump is one of the better ones at it. You know, you know we, we make fun of how dumb he is and how, you know, his speeches were something to, to watch but you know he didn't get to where he is being completely dumb he, he's he's smart enough to know how to surround himself with the right people yeah even if that he filled the entire white house with friends and family they would known forever <laughs> my top criticism about him probably would be that he surrounded himself with all the worst people oh, yeah. I mean, most incredible swamp creatures but your point is still well taken right. in the context and you're making right people you know what i mean the right people for his bank account <laughs> country or certainly but you know what i mean like he that's he's been his entire career he hasn't you know i don't think he's built his wealth on his own merit you know what i mean it's it's been you know his 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 swindling and hustling and 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 knowing who to you know who to put in what positions at the right times to to advance himself and that's what he does he advances himself the republicans are at a crossroads i don't think they fully know what to do going forward strategically, whether to more embrace Trump or to discard it completely. I don't know. The fact that he lost, like the thing is, is if, if he'd have won, like if he'd have won re-election, then the Republicans could have been done with him afterwards. You know what I mean? But the fact that he didn't, it's going to make, it's going to make 2024 extremely interesting in that regard. Cause do they run him again? Cause I have a feeling he probably will run again. Do they push that or do they, do they go elsewhere? I don't know. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, uh- and so, I, I, and I, one thing I do talk about too is, you know, being a Republican or being a Democrat or like a die-hard Republican or being a die-hard Democrat is basically being in a cult. It's 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 cultish behavior. If you look at it, it's textbook cult. I mean, look at fucking CPAC. They built a golden Trump statue. I looked at that, and you know. I don't talk about it on the show because there's a lot of backlash, but I'm a religious person. I don't use it against anybody. I I have personal beliefs. They belong to me. You know, people can do what they want to do. But to me, as a religious person, I looked at that and I said, that is the most undignified, gaudy, disgusting thing I've ever seen. Anybody who is a Republican should have disowned that immediately. Seeing like they built a Kim Jong-un's golden Trump statue for CPAC should have turned a lot of people off. And it didn't. They were like, oh, that's cool, man. What? <laughs> I, I mean, if, 
if Obama had built a like if they if the DNC had built a golden Obama statue, they'd have, they'd have, they'd have been out in the streets screaming and crying and losing their minds. But Trump did it, so that's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, the cult of the propensity to embrace uh, cults of personality are certainly insatiable amongst our political adversaries. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, but that's how we've gotten to where we are. It's a popularity contest and not about merit, worth, or, you know, um, a body of work at all. You know, very rarely does the most qualified person win anymore. It's, you know, who gets the most zingers in and who gets, you know, the most Twitter followers. And, I mean, we've turned our political system into uh, American Idol, basically, you know, kind of tying back to a big golden idol of Trump. You know I mean? That's what we're, 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 we're you know, we're in a situation where, you know, either people need to really start getting informed and what they're voting and who they're voting for, or, you know, we're on the, 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 the spiraling end of this, uh, Titler cycle here of, uh, of, you know, uh, needing a complete purge and rebuild, uh, not a purge in that sense, but you know what I mean? Like we're going to crumble, <laughs> we're going to have to rebuild out of the ashes. Yeah. There's so many opportunities for libertarians right now in front of us. So. I did tell somebody at work the other day, I said, hey, you know, maybe what libertarians need to do is we'll just let Joe Biden and the Democrats blow the spending out and we'll just keep printing money. We won't tax nobody enough and we'll just when the economy collapses or the federal government collapses because inflation is so high and it all just falls around them. We in, in a really disgusting way, we get what we want because. The federal government can't afford to continue running if, you know, their entire currency is based around nothing and it's just hopes and promises. And, you know, in a lot of libertarian circles, you know, crypto is a huge thing. It's almost cultish <laughs> how, how big it is. But, um, you know, it, it's I, I'm not saying I hope that happens, but in a long roundabout way, that may be something that does happen. And I would rather see people get, regain their freedoms through a you know, a, an election and, you know, people being involved in their own actions. But at this point, I don't think people really want their own freedom. It's just, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's basically they're fighting against an unknown enemy that is no different than the guy they're by, fighting for. Right. And it's just, you look at, you, you look at Joe Biden. I mean, he just, he's, he was a nobody. And then, uh, Obama handpicked him, you know, cherry picked him out of, you know, obscurity, made him VP, and then now he's able to run for vice president, uh, or I'm sorry, not president, uh, as president and be president of the United States only because Barack Obama picked him out of obscurity. He'd run multiple times before that, and nobody cared. And now you see the same thing with Kamala Harris, you know, she was polling basically nothing in her home state because people, were living the trash that she had implemented, but they were so afraid of Trump re being reelected that they're like, well, we'll vote for the guy who created the 1994 crime bill and the lady who was throwing people, you know, throwing the book at people for, you know, nothing of weed possession. So. But she listened to Tupac in college, so. That was. <laughs> so let's be, let's be honest, guys. There are some redeemable qualities here. Yeah, no, got our, no, well, not. Joe got early copies apparently, like before he recorded. <laughs> before <laughs> Joe, yes, 
And Joe Biden played Despacito at like in what was it like in Florida or something for a Latino crowd? He played Despacito on his fucking phone. Like they've got speakers there, but it was like one of those things. Where he's like, "Oh, this will be cool. I'll play it on my phone real quick." You pulled it up on YouTube, turn the volume up. That'll show. It's ridiculous. But like to to go back to what you were saying about like you know what I mean, like the economy collapsing and things like that. I mean like if we don't change that's imminent you know what i mean like that's not a possibility it's imminent like when is debatable but like it's going to happen and i think that's honestly one thing that we uh, another reason it's so important that we focus on tennessee because you know um you know when when the collapse happens you know um it's gonna fall we're gonna fall back on to community you know well, nobody from washington's coming to save us here in tennessee or and, our, and so the more we build our communities and the more we stand for libertarian principles within our communities, I mean, we're, we are the ones that are going to be rebuilding our communities um, when, when all else is falling apart, you know, because that's the whole purpose of us being here was we focus on our individuality and our communities and then build outward from there. And, you know, that the, the whole, you know, treating people as we would want to be treated and, and, and protect you know what i mean protecting our own that's going to come down to our communities and and uh, really we're in a great position to do that especially in tennessee but we have to focus on those communities first and i mean that, that gets back to what we should do as a state is really i mean because even even dealing with just the capital we've realized is too big for what we need to be doing right now and and you know we're having some really good success with city council races and and things like that and i, I you know i really want to see us start really pushing those hard and getting some more people with some success and, and some experience winning so that, you know, when it does start to collapse, we can start pushing people into bigger positions. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It, 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 it does definitely come down to, you know, pretty much unless we're willing to reverse course here in the next couple of years, you know, we all 30, I think it's 30% of all, U.S. currency in circulation was generated last year. That's a huge number. <laughs> I mean, we've never seen numbers like that, you know, let alone in five years. We did it in one year. And, you know, we're looking at hyperinflation. When that happens, all bets are off. I mean, you might as well – we're looking at Venezuela-esque, you know, currency. You know, you might as well wipe your own butt with a $100 bill than to buy toilet paper because it's just going to cost more. So it, it really does come down to, you know, Unless we reverse course very quickly, it's not going to matter. And, you know, it does. Yeah, as, you know, David Sexton said, it does come down to, you know, making sure we take care of each other and making sure that it's almost like, I don't want to use collectivism, but it kind of, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. So what I'm saying is, is people will have to work together, but not necessarily you know, for free, you know, people have to understand that, um, you know, we'll have to be willing to work as a community to make things, you know, move, you know, in a very old fashioned way, you won't be able to, you know, depend on the government to come in for aid, you'll have to, you know, if you are very successful in your community, it'll be kind of, um, you know, looked upon to you to if you choose to, you know, if you want to be that individual to help other people. Um, you know, even if you're not well off, you know, it'll be, it'll fall onto the community to help people who are struggling, you know, with whatever to come together and do things. And you see, you do see that a lot in smaller communities, 
you know, to this day, but I think it'll, it'll come down to being one of those things where, you know, larger cities will have to figure that out or they'll sink. It, it's, it's, it's a sink or swim kind of thing. And, you know, they will have to figure it out um, how to help someone either for, you know, not being a part of your job or, you know, not even for anything, you know, just out of the kindness of your heart, you know, you can't force people into that, but it, it does, it does fall to the individual American making decisions that they think is the right thing to do. Um, you know, and it does, it does take a lot to stop and do something for somebody, even if you don't, especially if you don't know them, you know, you'll see people on the side of the road, you know, sitting there for hours without, you know, someone helping them. They may not know how to change a tire, but people keep driving who may know. It'll come down to things like little things like that. So. Yeah. The federal reserve only fans the flames of these absurdities and Washington is outspending every previous era of us history to our posterity's enslavement. So absolutely agree that the correct avenue for libertarians is to think and act locally, not only electorally, but also pushing libertarian messaging in realms where there may be bad electoral outcomes for libertarians, like the blockchain, look at what 3d printing has done. Look at um, what all sorts of things like jury nullification has done. We can create small pockets and microcosms of Liberty, even in the face of kind of negative political realities. So there's a lot of frontiers available to, for libertarians to exploit. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, one thing with cryptocurrency too, is it does show that it is a viable form of, you know, currency exchange because it's not controlled by anybody. You can't see hyperinflation, especially I'm not a big proponent of Bitcoin. Uh, I dabble in a lot of of the other stuff. Um, Litecoin's my big vice. Um, But, you know, with Bitcoin, if you look at it, it's a set number of coin that will ever exist. And that number has actually decreased because people, especially in the early days, you know, it was like running 25 cents a coin. And they're like, I don't care about this. They put on a hard drive, had 2000 coins, threw it in a drawer and it ended up getting thrown out. And, you know, it's it's stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I don't see why we couldn't get to a point where if you're willing to exchange uh, services for, and this will sound really stupid, but, you know, it'll come, it'll, it'll basically fall to whoever does it, but um, cha- exchanging, you know, goods for like, you know, dairy jerky or meat or whatever, you know, you get to that point and you can just decide what you want to re- receive in exchange. And I, I think you could do that now, but, you know, with currency being the way that it is, you really can't do that because you have to pay your bills in some certain way and it's just it's complicated it's we could do a 17 hour podcast on this and never touch every aspect of it and that's that's just the honest truth of all of it uh it's just yeah i mean but i mean it all comes back to the fact that we should have some sort of commodity currency as opposed to, you know, fiat, you know what I mean? Like it's got, it should definitely, currency is great in the fact that, you know, like if a baker wants to buy a cow, you know, 
he's going to spend way more time than it's worth trying to bake that much loaves of bread to pay for, you know what I mean? So currency is a way mm-hmm. for him to make bread and sell it to people and get enough currency to, to pay for, you know, so it, it's, it's superior to like that barter system. But again, if it's not, if, if the currency you're using doesn't have, you know, um, a commodity behind it, like we're seeing, it can just be inflated at, at whim and, and it's going to, it's going to fail. It's going to, there's no way that it won't unless something happens. Yeah. I mean, it could, it doesn't even need to be like the barter system or something, just an example I was using, but I mean, it could be gold, you know, you know, uh, one point in time people did, you know, purchase things with physical gold and, you know, that's something we could look at going to, cause you know, that's not something anybody can manipulate. It's not something that they can just generate authentic gold. You know, they can, uh, they can make, what is that? That fool's gold, that, uh, pyrite, uh, pyrite. Yeah. And, but it's not actual gold. And so, yeah, I mean, so there does need to be some alternative to fiat where, you know, the federal government's basically that, Oh, well, we want to pay, for this bullshit program that y'all may not necessarily like, but instead of having y'all volunteer money for it, we're just going to make, we're just going to print off some new money and we're just going to pay for it and you can kiss it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Free market uh, monetary system would certainly be, I guess, the best libertarian system whereupon gold might not even be the centrally ordained standard. Although yes, indeed uh, bullion based currencies have shown resiliency through thousands of years of human history because they are constantly traded. They've always had value. They're easily divisible. There's a few other characteristics why they've been mediums for exchange, uh, but yeah, absolutely. It's the legal tender laws and the coercive central policy of the financial Institute that have brought this about. If if there weren't legal tender laws, certain businesses, I guarantee you, would not want to accept the dollar. There's so many more commodities of more high value right now. Well, gentlemen, uh, we'll go ahead and start winding this down. We did get off track, and that's 100% my fault. I'll take the bullet <laughs> on that one uh, because I wander off and get lost in my own thoughts and just keep talking. So, uh, but, uh, you know, Dave Brenner, Dave Sexton, I do appreciate y'all showing up tonight and, you know, just talking to people and just, you know, letting them get an idea of what, what they can hope for, you know, and kind of who you are. And, you know, if, if they're newer members of the party, they may not know y'all. So um, I do appreciate y'all coming out tonight. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the time. And uh, congrats to you, David, as well. Yeah, and, and congrats to you. And um, I look forward to Look forward to maybe doing one of these in the future. We can talk about all the success that we're both garnering um, in our positions because, you know, yeah. this, this is the beginning and we're going up from there. Yeah. Uh, is there anything y'all like to plug? Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, OnlyFans? <laughs> yeah, lptn.org slash donate. I'm helping you out on this one, David, but you can be a member for – 25 bucks makes you a member of the state party. If you like some of the things we've talked about, we'd really appreciate having you in in the party. If you have disdain for the duopoly and some of these ideas are attractive to you, you'd be right at home here. Spoken like a true communications director. Right. Well, he's plugging fundraising while he's doing it. So that's amazing. Um, As far as like, I, I, um, for anybody curious, if they go to look me up on Facebook, I've uh, gotten off of that platform. Um, and enjoyed every bit of it. So, 
um, that uh, that platform's going going south quick, I think. But um, uh, so yeah, I don't really have any social media at the moment, but um, I will be sure to to make sure that everybody can get my email and 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 information out there, um, so that if anybody has any great ideas, send it to you know. There's a communications link in the um, on the um, on the website as well. So I can get in touch and give us whatever ideas you may have. We'll take them all. Awesome. 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 So yeah. If uh, anybody wants to look at this podcast later or whatever, you know, we're on YouTube, Facebook, and that's about it. Cause you know, I run the show and I'm not that good. So gentlemen, y'all have a good night and be safe. Thank no you. more wars, taxation stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.